Apologies first. If you're an outline follower, um, I have to apologise that the outline on your bulletin is completely wrong and it's my fault. Um, I changed it right at the last minute and um, so I'm really sorry about that. So if you use your outlines, um, cross all the headings out, treat it like a blank bit of paper and um, away we go. And I'm sorry. Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that in uh, your gospel, in the death and resurrection of your Son, our Lord and Saviour, Father, thank you that in him we have the hope of eternal life, that we do have nowhere else to go but him. And so we pray that this morning you'd remind us of how wonderful that is, that we would encourage one another and serve one another to help each other, to always trust him. Amen. Well, have you ever been dissatisfied with anything? I don't mean disappointed, dissatisfied. And not content with how things are or the way things went. Did you do anything about it? Could you have done anything about it? Should you have done something about it? You might remember a couple of weeks ago we looked at Paul's prayer for the Colossians and that what drove Paul to pray was the need for Christians to endure. Well, Christian endurance is uh, so important that that theme is uh, right on centre stage for us again today in today's passage. And what we discover about the importance of Christian endurance is that it didn't only drive Paul to prayer, it also meant that he was dissatisfied with people. It's a godly dissatisfaction, and you and I are to be the same. And we're to do something about it. As we look at Colossians this morning, we'll see that what Paul did... We'll, we'll have a look at what Paul did in his godly dissatisfaction with people and then we'll see that he tells us to do exactly the same thing he did. We are to be dissatisfied with each other and we're to do something about it. But first let's be reminded again of the importance of Christian endurance because when we understand that, then knowing what we're to do about it will make much more sense. Now the need for Christian endurance is right throughout this little section. Um, so let's have a look at it. first pops up in the second half of verse 28. Now, Paul has a purpose, and we see it in the second half of verse 28. So that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. Whatever Paul is doing, it's so that he'll be able to present everyone perfect or mature in Christ. So that, in other words, that Christians will remain Christian, always trusting in Christ Jesus as Lord. The goal for God's people, is to be found spotless and blameless when Christ returns to judge. It's wanting other Christians to persevere. It's the same sort of thing that he says in uh, chapter 2 and verse 2. Have a look there, chapter 2, verse 2. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. Paul's purpose for Christians is for them to have the full riches of complete understanding that they may know Christ, the real Christ. Not a made-up Christ that some phony um, might tell you, tell you about, but the true Christ. Paul wants people to know Jesus, the true and living Lord of heaven and earth. He doesn't want Christians to be deceived. He wants them to keep trusting in the true Christ Jesus. Have a look at chapter 2, verse 4. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you 
by fine-sounding arguments. Paul doesn't want people to start out trusting in Christ but then to get lost along the way. He doesn't want someone to come to the truth about Jesus but then trade him in for some counterfeit. I mean, if you owned a Ferrari, why would you drive a Holden? Paul doesn't want Christians to be deceived. He doesn't want want them to, to stop trusting in Christ. He wants them to continue in Christ until the very end, to not move away from Christ but instead to stick with him at all times, to set your life upon him. Have a look at chapter 2, verse 6. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. It's a picture of setting down long, firm roots. It's our whole life set upon Christ as Lord. It's lived out with Christ as Lord. It's thankful that Christ is Lord because nothing and no one else is the Lord and nothing and no one other than Christ can give us the sure hope of eternal life in heaven. Only Christ can present us holy in his sight blameless and free from accusation, ready for eternal life in heaven because of his death on a cross. And so nothing could be more important than continuing in Christ. When you're in your final year of school, as Amanda was talking about, nothing seems more important than your final exams, and so you study. At least that's the theory. When you've got one day left to put your tax return in, well, nothing seems more important than getting your tax return in on time so you fill in your return. When you're late for a job interview and the person driving in front of you is going at 30 kilometres an hour, nothing seems more important than overtaking them, and so you do. Well, when you're trusting in Christ as your Lord and Saviour, nothing is more important than continuing to trust in him, and so you do. But we don't just have this concern for ourselves, do we? We want all Christians to endure until the end. We want our precious brothers and sisters in Christ to persevere, to continue in Christ, rooted and built up in him, living every day of their lives with Christ Jesus as their Lord and Saviour, trusting in his death and resurrection on their behalf, and so ultimately sharing in the eternal life, the inheritance of God in heaven, being found spotless and blameless in Christ, so that when Christ does return to judge, they'll have no accusations laid against them. This is the hope that's held out to us in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ on our behalf. And so, of course, we would want anyone who is Christian now to stay Christian until the end. Which means that whenever we think of a Christian, any Christian, we're dissatisfied. We can't be content to know that Christians are persevering in Christ now at the moment. We can be excited by that, sure. We can be encouraged by their current perseverance, but not content, not satisfied. Christian satisfaction is all to do with Christians who have endured in Christ until the very end. That's when we're satisfied. But for you and I today, well, that's a goal we haven't yet reached. That's the end that for us has not yet come. We haven't reached heaven yet. The Lord Jesus has not returned. We haven't died. And so we need to persevere. We need to endure. We need to keep trusting in Christ Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. And so as Christians, as we look at one another and relate to one another, we're dissatisfied with one another because we want each other to persevere as Christians until the very end. When I bought uh, Catherine, my wife, when I bought her her birthday and Christmas presents last year, uh, I couldn't wait for her to open them. I knew what she wanted and I tried real hard to get it right. 
I wanted to see her look of delight as she opened up the presents. Unfortunately, I kept up the male status quo and got it completely wrong and had to take almost all the presents back to the shop. But still, when you want something for someone, uh, you'll do whatever you can for them, even if it's not very good. Now, as you and I, as we consider other Christians, we want them to endure, don't we? We want them to reach the goal of heaven, to share in God's kingdom, in eternal life, in the new creation. We want this for each other. And so we do whatever we can for each other. We haven't reached heaven yet. And so we do what we can to help each other to stand firm, to keep trusting in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. Look, a couple of weeks ago, we saw this godly satisfaction, dissatisfaction. It led Paul to pray. And in our passage today, what we see is that it meant Paul did something else for them as well. He taught them. Paul taught Christians about Christ so that they would continue in Christ. The way Paul served the church was to proclaim Christ to God's people. Have a look at verse 25, back to chapter 1 and verse 25. Speaking about the church, Paul says, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in all its fullness. See, that's what Paul did for the church. He proclaimed the word of God to them. Now, this word of God that Paul proclaimed, it's just what we've been seeing over the last few weeks. It's the message that Jesus is the ruler over this creation and the next, that he's the one who can reconcile us to God on good terms because of his death. It's that the Lord Jesus, he's the one who can give us God's forgiveness. He's the one that can qualify us to share in the inheritance of God in the, in the kingdom of the saints. He's the one that can get us eternal life in heaven. And so Paul gave everything he had for other people to hear of this Lord Jesus Christ. Have a look at verse 28. Chapter 1, verse 28. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how much I'm struggling for you, and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not met me personally. See, Paul desperately wanted Christians to remain Christian, to stand firm in their faith in Christ. And so he laboured for them by proclaiming Christ to them. He gave everything he had to make sure others heard of Christ. And look, just to be clear, he's not just talking about evangelising non-Christians. He proclaimed and taught and admonished Christians with the word of Christ. Christians need to hear of Christ. A very big way of God keeping us as his people is us continually hearing of his son, the Lord Jesus, serving him, the Lord Jesus, king of all. That's such a dominating thing and it is our life and it can be hard to keep it all in check. And so a really helpful way of us keeping it all in check is to be constantly hearing of Jesus and what it means to live for him so that we'll keep trusting in him until heaven. Paul was dissatisfied with Christians. He would only be satisfied until their faithful endurance until the very end. And so he gave everything he had to teach them about Christ. Do you know people who, are, when they do something, they just, they just have to get it finished? They can't leave a job half done? Uh, maybe you're the type of person that when you sit down to a new jigsaw puzzle, you'd like to be able to sit there until it's all done, completely finished. You're dissatisfied until it's done. Now that sort of attitude, um, I don't have... But that sort of attitude can be very frustrating uh, when it comes to jigsaw puzzles and things like that. But that sort of attitude is exactly right. 
when it comes to thinking of our brothers and sisters in Christ. We don't want to leave each other half done. We want, to, we want one another to continue trusting in Christ until eternal life in heaven, until the very end. And so we do whatever we can to help. And from what we've been looking at, we should be taking every opportunity we have to teach one another about Jesus. Now you might be sitting there and thinking that it's all very well for the Apostle Paul to be like that, to be bending over backwards to teach Christians about Christ so that they'll continue to uh, trust in him. But, but look, I'm no Apostle. I'm no Paul. Well, that's right. We're not apostles. But Paul is very clear that the task of teaching and admonishing one another with the word of Christ, that's not just for apostles. That's for all Christians. It's something we're all to be involved in. So flip across to chapter 3 and verse 16. In chapter 3, Paul spends most of his time uh, teaching God's people how to live for Christ, how to continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him. And several things of what he says has to do with how we treat one another. In other words, the chapter's about how we can help one another to keep trusting in Jesus. And in verse 16, we discover that just as Paul taught and admonished Christians with the word of God to help them remain Christian, well, we are to do exactly the same. It is exactly the same words that he uses for us. Chapter 3 and verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Now let's be clear here. Paul's not talking to church leaders. He's not talking to elders or deacons or anything like that. He's talking to the church family as a whole. And he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. So it's not just something for our church leaders. Don't sell our church family short by leaving this job to our Bible study group leaders. Everyone is to be involved in teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom. It's something we're all to give thought to and it's something we're all to do. And let's remember why we would. We do it to help each other to stay Christian, that we will all share in the eternal life, the inheritance of God in heaven. It's hard to think of a more important reason to do this. So look, for what it's worth, here's a few examples of how you and I can teach and admonish one another. But whatever you do, don't limit yourself to what I'm about to say. Sharing the word of God with each other, well, that's only limited by our imagination. But here's some thoughts to get us started. Uh, as Dara was saying a bit earlier, joining a Bible study group, what a wonderful thing to do, what a worthy thing to do, because that is a great way of teaching each other about Christ. Uh, in a couple of weeks, you're going to find out what Bible study groups are on offer. And it, it's not just a case of, look, this is what we always do as morning church. We, we get Bible studies getting going around about term one. Now, it's not just a case of this is what we always do. It's a case of having the opportunity to help present your brothers and sisters in Christ mature. It's having that opportunity served up to you on a platter. Because every week, those Bible study groups will be spending time teaching one another about Christ so that we'll stand firm in him. Another example, uh, there's the conversations that we have with one another. As we talk to people about things, we can be talking to each other from the perspective of our hope in heaven. An example of this is when a friend of mine was talking to me about a holiday that they'd been on. Uh, they visited some temples of different religions. But instead of just talking to me about the fine artwork and the impressive buildings, they spoke, they spoke in terms of, how the people of this religion were so dedicated and so devoted, but that it was all for a false God, a God that doesn't even exist. 
And so how much more should we be devoted to our Lord who alone is God and is alive and well? And so my friends still told me about their holiday, but they told me about it in a way that encouraged me to keep serving Jesus Christ as my Lord. It's great. Another example is writing to people. We can encourage people to continue serving in Christ simply by writing them a letter or send them an email or drop them a card. If you're the sort of person that can express yourself better when you sit down and write, well, why not put that skill to good use? And look, that's just a few ways that we can be teaching one another about Christ. Uh, Joining a Bible study group, the conversations we have, writing a letter, sending an email, dropping in a card. But look, our imagination is our only limitation. And it's something we should give careful thought to. Because remember, our aim is nothing less than the Christian endurance of our precious brothers and sisters in Christ. Now that's worth striving for, isn't it? Labouring for, struggling for. So whenever you see another Christian, a fellow servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, be thrilled, won't you? Be thrilled that there's another servant of Jesus out there, but don't be satisfied. We can be encouraged by each other's Christian growth. We can be excited by each other's enthusiasm for the things of the Lord Jesus, but not satisfied. Because the day of Christ hasn't come yet. We haven't died. We haven't endured until the end. And so we give our all for each other to see that we all endure in Christ until the very end. And so we take up every chance we have to teach one another about Jesus so that we'll all continue to live in Christ, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as we were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness until the end. Let's pray.